I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Warning. The following episode contains subject matter and scenes that some viewers may find upsetting, disturbing, or unnerving. Please note viewer discretion is advised at all times. Sit back and enjoy. Coughs, colds and fevers are all commonplace during the grey winter months of the United Kingdom. Sickness bugs regularly wind their way through workplaces and schools, spreading from person to person. Thankfully, the UK has a national health service in place, waiting with open arms to help those who need it most. It is February 22nd, 1991. The adoring parents of seven-week-old Liam Taylor grow concerned, as any new parent would do with a slight cough that young Liam has developed during his short time at the family home. Due to the very early age of the newborn, 
the parents are referred to take Liam to Ward 4 of the Grantham and Castephen Hospital, a children's ward located in the Lincolnshire region of England. Doting and attentive to young Liam, the cheerful couple park up and make their way into Ward 4. As they sign in, they are greeted with enthusiasm by a bright and brimming young nurse, who is immediately and intently focused on their young baby boy. Liam is placed into the care of those best placed to provide it, and is gently wheeled away with caution from the reception area down into the children's ward. The name tag of the young nurse reads Beverly Allett, a name that would go on to strike fear into the hearts and minds of parents and children all across the country. Little Liam is now in the hands of the Angel of Death. Hello and welcome back to I Can Murder a Podcast. I'm Tom and I'm joined by my good friend, Ben. So good to see you, sir. <laughs> what you Go back in time. So good to see you, sir. <laughs> Can I interest you in a potion? That face? Well, that's what you just did. I'm mimicking you. That seems harsh. That seems yeah, spot over-exaggerated. On. No, it was spot on. Anyway, Ben, you were saying something earlier on about falling down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Can you enlighten... Back in the days. <laughs> Who does that? The lobster boy. Potion makers. Potion makers? What are they... The best potion makers do this. Have you seen a bad potion maker do this? It looks very um, predatory. So tell me about this rabbit hole you've been going on about. So... There's two sides to every story. There is. This particular story. Mountain bikers, BMX bikers, whatever you want to call them, versus countryside or forest ramblers. So people that like to go on walks through forests. Uh, they do not get on. Natural-born enemies. So the uh, the landowners, the ramblers, were filling the BMX path with uh, sticks, logs, oh, fishing yeah. line. Fishing line? <laughs> yeah, some of them had fishing line. I don't know how he saw it, but he stopped just in time. Um, but then uh, some of them were actually found. So like, I want to cut this sandwich. <laughs> Told that idiot to slice my sandwich. Ow! So some of them, are, uh, some of them actually then find them laying the logs and laying, laying the sticks, laying the logs, laying the sticks, and then a really big heated debate kind of ensues. So um, great watch. I had a good time, but it uh, it got to about five or six videos of the same kind of stuff, and I thought I've, I've had enough now. So, okay, so that's literally you watching BMX. BMXs argue with Ramblers. So yeah. <clears throat> check it out, guys. If you want to, you don't have to. No, there's no obligation. So before we start, if you don't already, why not follow us on our socials, on our Instagram, on our Twitter? Daily posts on there mm. of terrible trivia and fearful facts. Fearful facts, terrible trivia. So if you want daily content of, of new interesting little nuggets of information about serial killers and just strange facts, give us a follow on there. Case numero four. Quattro. So Beverly Gale Allett, the angel of death. So the angel of death is a term given to when people, when they kill in the medical field, they'll, they'll kill patients and, and that kind of thing. There's also another phrase called the angel of mercy, but that is for when people think they're in pain. I'm, I'm helping them, you know, uh, move on. And like, you're basically helping them get out of their suffering. Mm-hmm. So yeah. angel of death, which uh, Allett is, she's not mercy at all. She's killing young children she's killing babies not so a, not an ounce of mercy in that woman do you know no, who no, i no. think she uh she looks like you're gonna like this Put i've got well, i've got two of them ready go on fat mrs tweedy from chicken run yep this is the well you already told me that one so that's why there's no reaction yeah but wait he doesn't know that this is coming so much pressure on this to be funny go on buzz from home alone 
Yes. See that I'm I'm on I'm on that team. Yeah. We don't so, need to stretch that either because they kind of no, no. So yeah, but we'll put a couple side by sides and let's know. Um, there's no we think but yeah I think I think Buzz is a very very solid shout mm-hmm. she's got a look about her that's probably the best thing you've done since doing this podcast some other people that were referred to as um, angels of death um, Harold Shipman yeah there were also numerous uh, Nazi uh, concentration camp angel of deaths um, but the most uh, the most notorious one is Joseph Mengel um, not a fun wicked page to have a read through I'll tell you that much and there's even a professional wrestler called David Sheldon but he he didn't kill people it's just a scary name which I think Angela Death is quite a good wrestling name any cool what would be his finishing move hmm I think I think it's the clothesline from heaven <laughs> I thought the that, angel wings from above oh, no, that's the a, angel uh, wing chicken hold but is that is it clothesline from hell isn't it yeah from, Bradshaw what is it yeah I thought it was Kane he's from hell so yeah, she is definitely not the angel of mercy. She is the angel of death. That's the tricky thing when you cover medical professionals. So obviously, the first one I thought of was Harold Shipman. Yeah, um, but he was at the other end of of the spectrum. He was obviously wiping out kind of people at the end of life, older people. Um, Ali, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alec, on the other hand, um, it's it's hard because it's it's the opposite end. So she's uh, she's dealing with babies, infants, newborns. Children with children with disabilities. Yeah, um, um, yeah, it's it's literally skin crawling stuff. But ultimately, at both ends of that that spectrum, there they never kind of seem to target kind of healthy middle aged. Well, young people, adults. Yeah, it's not because it's, it's what falls in the vulnerable category. Mm-hmm. The kids obviously aren't gonna say no, won't know any better. Mm-hmm. And if you're an elderly person, you're vulnerable. You're by yourself, and the doctor's saying you, oh, it would be good for you to take this. You're yeah. probably more likely to before you take it. You see that copy of your will. Could you just H Shipman? But but also with that is um if you have a lot of old people dying, that's yeah. to be honest, that's expected. Mm-hmm. Well that's probably why Shipman got away with oh, you he, know the number that he did. I mean, thank God, although He did, yeah. But this um, isn't this isn't Shipman. Yeah, I'm sure he'll have his have his day. But um in terms of we talk we usually talk about the links we have with the case. There's not a great deal of links we have. The thing I thought of was, was your mum worked in the medical profession. Yeah. And your brother. Yeah. Mum, brother. Yeah, mum's a midwife, so um, the link was there. Obviously, when you look into Alit, uh, my mum, uh, again, thankfully, is uh, the complete opposite of Alit. So my mum's very warm, naturally, uh, very good with children, babies, uh, friendly. You know, you, you can really tell. Really friendly, yeah. I knew this was coming. I knew there was some sort of way. I'm just, Hi, Mum, by the way, if you're watching. I knew he was going to try and... I literally just said your mum was friendly. There's nothing implied there. But I heard literally the... While you were, you know, while you made that face at the camera. Go on. I'm just saying, she's a friendly lady. Yeah. If you need anything. Dad's watching. He's, is he? Well, he wasn't that tough. <laughs> anyway, let's move on from your mum. So also, driving up here, obviously, I, I, I like to, when I'm trying to get into the zone for the podcast, I'll listen to some podcasts about the, the case to mm-hmm. see if there's any little bits of nuggets that we haven't maybe looked into as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and every sign, well, there's a lot of signs for Grantham on the way up here. Oh, yeah. yeah and we half, also... Usually that marks my halfway point. That's when I know I'm halfway home. And we also, as um, younger lads... One of the yes. weirdly one of the one venues like places we played as a band was Grantham and Long Bennington. But Long Bennington has nothing to do with Alex. That's why I didn't, I didn't bring it. Didn't bring it up. I find the idea of a nurse 
somewhere where you're supposed to feel as safe as possible, especially on a children's ward. You're giving something you cherish more than anything to the, someone you trust. And this is that's the thing that really unsettles me. So we're going to go straight into the crimes and then we're going to dissect how this all happened, where Beverly, how Beverly grew up and turned into this absolute monster. Yeah, so I think it's probably worth pointing out, obviously, as we as we mentioned, uh, the victims are babies, young infants. Um, so obviously... Um, not the easiest thing to talk about, but um, yeah, just a little precursor, I guess. So our first victim was Liam Taylor. He was a seven-week-old baby. Um, it was February 21st, 1991. He was brought in to the hospital with a chest infection. Obviously, being seven weeks old, his parents were very you know, protective and worried about him. Um, so they wanted to bring him in, make sure he was okay. So when they brought Liam in, they were greeted by Nurse Allett. He said he's in the best place possible. They should go home, get some rest, and she's going to look after him. Yeah, she was always very keen to leave the impression that she was, you know, on top of her game. Um, and she had a good she had a good reputation. She was well-liked, a popular girl. With a lot of these cases, you tend to find the person has... A, they have charm. Mm-hmm. They're able to charm people. They're able to get them on side. That's part of, all part of their ploy. So they go and get some much-needed rest. They return uh, the following morning, and this is where Alec informs them that uh, little Liam had had some, uh, some form of respiratory emergency overnight. But thankfully... As he was in the best possible hands, she was there to sort him out. Yes. And she also, for extra brownie points, said she's going to volunteer to be there for another night just to make sure Liam is, you know, looked after. So following on from Alex saying to the parents about Liam suffering with respiratory problems, they thought we're going to stay in the hospital tonight just in case anything does happen. And there was a scare, but the doctors thought he was pulling through it fine and everything was looking rosy again. But then, unfortunately, he was left with Alex and things got drastically worse. So Alet um, calls for the emergency responders at this point uh, because Liam had turned incredibly pale with, with kind of blo- it's not easy for me to explain being a colorblind guy. Uh, little pink uh, blotches uh, all over all over him. So uh, as the team arrive, they're um, they're slightly concerned because um, due to the the kind of the, the state that Liam was in, they realised that the alarm should have been raised far far sooner. Um, and Alec had obviously been spending uh, you know a good few hours with him at that point. And the worst possible thing happened. Um, Liam suffered severe brain damage and was only being kept alive by life support machines. Uh, the parents made the outrageously difficult decision to take him off the life support machines, and Liam passed away. Yeah. So at the the age of seven weeks yeah uh, and it's, it's it's marked down as heart failure and him coming in with chest infection and leading to that um i, I imagine because they didn't alec didn't face any further questions i imagine there must be some kind of link that's happened before in some place but mm. him he looked like it's gonna get better he got a lot worse kept, kept yo-yoing back yeah. so i mean and alec yeah he she gets away with it that's the sad part because you imagine bringing a newborn into the world that's got to be the happiest times of their lives you know the first few weeks of a baby's life and obviously they did the right thing he had a bit of a cough they brought him into hospital thinking it'd be uh, you know resolved he'd be cared for you know be... and the cough must have been bad enough because I mean he was kept in overnight so like they, they, they were right to bring him in I mean as I said if you can't trust a nurse or a doctor who can you trust? I wish we could say that was that was the end of it, um, but it, it continues. So Alet now claims her first confirmed victim, uh, seven-week-old Liam, um, and this now you know gives her a bit of a, a, a taste of, of, of what's to come um, and yeah. gives her confidence as well, I think. Um, the definitely. fact that she got off uh, scot-free and uh, definitely, got definitely. away with it. Uh, returns to work the, the following night, cracks on as normal. I think as well, it's to point out, obviously... Um, a hospital um, is a very sterile place. If you're committing a crime there, 
it's the crime scene is by nature going to be cleaned up mm-hmm. to a high standard. So it's it's you're kind of burning a candle at both ends because although yeah, it's going to be sterile. Um, at the same time, if she's whatever she's uh, admitting uh, or administering to these individuals, the individual is also, as we've said, in the best place possible to recover from it or be resuscitated or rescued or revived. Yeah, I think that we'll get into it a bit later, but I think that is a talking point. But I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later. So two weeks later, her next victim was brought in. It was Timothy Hardwick, who's 11 years old. He suffered from cerebral palsy and during school he had an epileptic fit. Yeah, no, again, um, I can only imagine Alex, um, you know, kind of uh, seen another kind of vulnerable individual arrive on Ward 4. Yeah. And uh, this is where she, again, uh, greets, makes that good first impression, comes across again as this lovely, sweet, you know, She's, the, she's the model nurse, isn't she? Well, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, again, uh, under Alex's care, uh, Timothy then falls into a really critical condition. And again, there's a slight delay in how, how soon the emergency response team can get to him. And again, it's a similar thing. Uh, but this time, Timothy uh, turns Turning blue um, is the point that the emergency team are actually called to help uh, under Alex's care, um, and he's without a pulse at this point. Um, unfortunately, um, they were arrived; well, they were too late to arrive, and uh, and he passed away. Yeah, and they, they blamed his death on epilepsy. And um, I saw in some of the documentaries they're saying when you suffer from cerebral palsy, there could be other complications that come with it. So again, this didn't cause a red flag. Um, so she's kind of being quite. Um, although she's been selective, she's she's uh, she's. I don't want to say smart, well, she but she definitely she's been has very considered in uh, in her approach. Calculated, you think you say? Yeah. I mean, like yeah. she has medical knowledge. She did train as a nurse, so like I think she was trying to right do all this in a way which wouldn't yeah cause suspicion, which she mm. did. So um, Alex's third victim, uh, thankfully. Uh, the first to survive was one-year-old uh, Kaylee Desmond. Um, now she, again, similar to little Liam, uh, and, and we'll go into it in a bit more detail, spookily uh, similar to little Liam. Uh, she arrives with a chest infection. Um, five days later, she's then under Alex's care, um, and there's actually concerns as she goes into cardiac arrest in the same bed as uh, seven-week-old yeah. Liam. Yeah, that's that haunting. This time, the resuscitation team were able to revive her and they sent her off to a different hospital. Um, I think they were starting to get a bit um, edgy with all the things that were going on. What we'll do is we'll take Kaylee out of here, take her to a different hospital and look after her there. Yeah, because I think that was only a fortnight after um, little Liam had passed away um, in the same same bed. So when she was at the other hospital and they're looking after her and doing examinations on her, they noticed an odd puncture hole in her armpit. And they also discovered an air bubble near the puncture mark, but they marked this down as an error. I imagine it doesn't happen regularly, but if it's marked down as an error, it must be something that can happen. Yeah, I mean, how much how much leniency do they have with the error? Yeah, I think because as well, if you, you're taking the kid out of this hospital, so it's they might not know all that's gone on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Ward Four. So it, it, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure now there's things in place for if those kind of things happen and what's been passed over. But luckily, she she got she got better and she survived when we were kind of researching the case, there's a, a really good Trevor McDonald. Uh, I don't like Trevor McDonald. Don't rate do you not? Him. No, I think he, yeah. Don't he, like. He's no Faroo. He, he doesn't ask any question. He asks, he's got basic, a great voice. He's got a great voice, but he does, he's like, the questions he asks are very just, well worded, but not great questions. I don't think well worded, Ben. I think they just sound well worded because of how nice his voice is maybe. Can I have a cup of soup? 
Yeah, yeah. Not bad. Um, and actually, Trevor McDonald makes her cry. So I take it back. I mean, context, she's talking about the nurse that nearly killed her. I think they had memories of that rather than Trevor. Trevor didn't spill her cup of soup over. Yeah. I don't know if you can see, but I'm trying to get a deal with cup of soup. <laughs> oh, I tell you what this is missing. Oh, it could even be tomato in there. What is it? Batchums, botchums? Cup of soup. It being in that, that Trevor McDonald uh, documentary, but she's still, years and years later, um, haunted by the memory of Alec. And that's that's the part that's, that's really hard. Yeah, to, she to mentioned watch. she checks under the bed to make sure she's not there. And what's her biggest fear is Alec coming back for her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And no matter how much the parents tell her that's not going to happen, she's locked away, it will never leave her. And it will never leave any of these people. And it will never leave any of the parents. Um, it's Yeah. Also, though, although we're, you know, celebrating survivors, at the same time, they are scarred, you know, physically, mentally, uh, emotionally, they're, they're scarred for life. 100%. And even some of the nurses who defended her and were so adamant that she, she didn't do it. Um, yeah. They, one even after all this came out, she committed suicide because she felt so bad for even being on the ward and not, not knowing this, not realising it. So it does, it, it's a huge ripple effect. Um, yeah. and the ward is no longer in service um, which I think that's like no one wants to bring their child to a yeah, ward with such a horrible history I'll go to Nottingham yes Yeah. so uh, just over two weeks later five month old Paul Crampton is admitted to ward four uh, with a bronchial infection um, which is kind of a, a, a infection of the lungs I believe so it's real chesty cough um, and again uh, greeted Alec you know keen to make a great impression um, you know admits him um but again, a similar pattern emerges. Now, Alec, who again is uh, alone with Paul, yeah. um, calls for help. Um, now, he's gone into uh, what appears to have been insulin shock, um, which reading about that sounds horrible. Yeah. Um, so he was uh, he was going into a near coma on three separate occasions. Um, so again, she's called for help. But again, there are question marks over how quickly she's called for this help. Um, the doctors have managed to revive him each of the three times. Um, but they were unable to explain, um, you know, the cause. Um, and so there were some question marks there. Yeah, and um, luckily he was taken to another hospital again, and he, that's where, miraculously, without Alec being there, he gets better. But Alec did ride with him in the ambulance. When he was at the hospital, they took blood from him, and uh, his numbers were off the charts. Because of his insulin levels were all over the shop, they, and it sorted itself out, they put it down to the malfunction of his pancreas, and they just said, well, he's, he's better now, so there's nothing, nothing to worry about. And again, sure. they probably didn't word it like that, but and then yeah, he was he was off and uh, he was he was good. But they uh, did obviously when you take blood samples, you do keep hold of the blood samples. And I don't know what point it needs to get to for them to escalate uh, it to the point of taking the patient to another hospital. Yeah, um, if that's more of an I guess emergency, a, I guess a child ward, children's ward, especially if it's the kind of cases where. Um, if it's just an everyday thing, it's not going to be. Especially if people coming with coughs and colds. It's, it's mm. winter time. It's not. It's not death. Like uh, there's no, no real danger of the getting progressively worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine if it's just a certain case level, you'd go straight to that hospital. Yeah. But these people were coming in, selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. So almost want to say thank God it got to that point so that it was removed from how Definitely. Watch, yeah. Um, it was a we- it's weirdly, the more in danger, <laughs> yeah, the more in danger they got, yeah. the more likely they were to get to safety, which is a bizarre, I can't even think of a metaphor for that. Yeah, yeah, odd. Two days later, she's getting a bit more confident here, I feel, with the timeline kind of increasing slightly. Um, Two-year-old Yik Hung Chan arrives, um, this time slightly different diagnosis. He's actually had a fall, um, yeah. so he's brought into the ward. Alec, again, quick to greet. So again, I don't know what she's seen in him that, that that's uh, attracted her. I think it's just a case of the age and the, the parents, maybe if they're showing trust and they're happy with Alec like, taking the lead, that's probably all she needs. Yeah. yeah. And again, the impression she always made was was a very positive one. Um, reassuring, you know, friendly, caring, polite, confident, all, all of those good things. Um, but again, uh, admits him, takes, uh, takes him uh, into her care. And um, again, this escalates very quickly from a fall uh, to the point where he's now in considerable stress. It seems to be the pattern is, kid comes in with a fairly mild thing. Yeah. And then left alone about it, mild thing turns horrible. So that's why the, surely the question mark should have been there slightly sooner. The weird thing is, the nurses actually felt bad for Alec, and they would say to her, like, that's oh, like another one, how are you coping? And apparently when they say it, that she was just stony-faced, and she was just, she completely didn't show any emotion. But again, she's loving that attention. She's loving the attention. She, she really liked the attention she got from the parents. She's the one there, she, I've called the alarm, don't worry. The I saved his like, life, yeah. I called for help. Exactly, yeah. That's mental, that's insane. So again, luckily, Hick Young-Chan was moved to a, the bigger hospital where um, he went on to survive, luckily, and got better. So the next case was a set of twins were brought in. They were, they were premature, uh, only two months old, and they were brought in just to kind of have a checkup, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Alec was very uh, involved with the parents, chatting to them, reassuring them. So two days later, Alec raised the alarm, saying they're cold to the touch and claiming that they were hypoglycemic. Um, for the documentaries, it's clear that Alec has no right to be um, doing this diagnosis with her kind of level. Um, yeah. And basically the doctors were like, what are you doing? No, you they're, fi- they're fine. Yeah. And then they sent them on the way. But to Alec's very clear annoyance, she wasn't happy they were being sent away. So again, yeah, as you say, much to Alec's annoyance, mum is advised to take the girls home. So it's uh, Becky and Katie, the two-month-old twins. Um, and this, this really, you know, rubbed Alec the wrong way. Um, now, unfortunately... Before mum's able to take the girls home, Alec is alone with Becky, baby Becky, um, and administers quite a, well, unfortunately, fatal dose of uh, insulin. Um, 
mum gets the babies home and overnight Becky is in a great deal of pain yep. uh, convulsing um, crying out in agony now when they've called uh, a doctor over um, the doctor has suggested that she had a colic which looking into is when babies just cry for no apparent reason so I don't know if that doctor was kind of um, you know clocking off for the night but it just seems like that's a really vague I think diagnosis the insulin overdose thing I guess if you're a doctor this is such maybe we should have researched this before but um, maybe there's not clear insulin overdose there's not, maybe not clear symptoms of it and maybe, yeah. that's, maybe that's why Alex chosen yeah I mean yeah so I, I looked at um, kind of because I wanted to understand grim as this sounds I wanted to understand what, what happens and yeah, what, yeah. The, what, what these victims went through um, so I could only find online I don't know if there, there's a reason behind this but I could only find online the symptoms for small overdoses so if you imagine this but on a really yeah a really harsh extent um, so a small overdose can lead to the following symptoms anxiety confusion extreme hunger fatigue irritability sweating or clammy skin and oh, Tra- trembling hands. The thing is, sweating, um, irritability, a kid crying all night. Yeah. If it's not, there doesn't seem to be any visual um, yeah. aspects of it, does there? Put it, so, put it down to a college. The kids can't say what they're feeling. Yeah. They can't vocalise anything that they're feeling, where it hurts, what uh, Nurse Alec did when the parents weren't, weren't yeah. there, yeah. all of these things. So, I mean, obviously the doctor got it wrong. Um, but at the same time, I think it's just such a uh, unusual... Yeah, she's really targeting the most vulnerable possible victims here. Diagnoses her as, as potentially having a colic, um, heads off, parents put her to bed, um, and then overnight, unfortunately, she actually passes away um, at the age of two months. Yeah, the horrible thing is they well, she was in her their parents' bed, and so she died between her parents overnight, which I can't imagine many things worse waking up to. No, it'd be absolutely again, heartbreaking. And I don't know if if Alec is thinking, oh, I can kind of put it down to the fact that they're they you know premature prematurely born babies. I don't know if she's thinking of that. as Well, well. the the autopsy said there was no clear cause of death, and so, so it's like again, she's got what going away with it. I think can I, insulin not be traced then in the system? It can be, but and again, I mean, I'm pretending I know what I'm talking about about yeah. medicine, but um, I imagine there's probably specific tests you're doing in order to look for it. Yeah, and um, with a newborn as well. That must be really. And if on the if when the the baby's been in your care and you haven't administered any of these things, why would you be looking for it? Mm. Like in theory, yeah, um, yeah. And the doctor's obviously thinking she's just you've just been in the hospital with the twins. They, you know, they've been looked at, they've been uh, you know cared for. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, there's nothing to worry about. And uh, yeah, so the doctors actually put the death of Becky down to cot death, um, which is horrible. And obviously, with Becky sleeping in the same bed as the parents, cause they want to keep an eye on her even though that would still not be the parents' fault in any way, shape or form, I can't help but feel that, that the guilt, you must think, as especially as a new parent, you're thinking, oh, maybe did I do something wrong? You're always thinking about what you're doing. It's just it's just absolutely horrible. Yeah. I mean, with how annoyed Alec was with the, the kids going back home, mm-hmm. I kind of think, like, did she try to administer enough so the kid went back to hospital? Or yeah. what was the, like, what yeah. was the, um, the aim there? Yeah. Yeah, and and cot death is is not that common. It's um, one in three thousand apparently. Um, so again, there's there's it's it's somewhat of a. Uh... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. An explanation. So following the, the horrible death of um, Becky, um, her surviving twin, Katie, was brought into the hospital. Obviously, they were going to be even more uh, cautious and worried about her. So they wanted to bring her in just to make sure that whatever happened to Becky wouldn't happen to Katie. That was the, the and here's, here's me wondering, and this is an evil way of thinking, but is Alit happier that she's taken one of the twins and that that's made an you know an impact on on katie's life or is she now thinking i've got the second one so we're going to get into a little bit deeper later on about alex's uh, mental health issues in terms of um, what she was diagnosed with and also what people believe that she suffered with yeah i mean she 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 claimed a few different things because i think uh, as we'll get into she wanted to pursue uh, the kind of secure hospital uh, stay rather than yeah. a, a prison sentence as such um, so there'll be a few things that come out later down the line that uh, Alec kind of tried to pin it down to. So with Katie just being administered to the hospital, it isn't very long until Alec is calling the resuscitation team once again. Um, How are they not at this point? I think they are pretty much... If I'm anyone else on that ward and and seeing that I'm not going to be... And again, hindsight's a beautiful thing, but I'm not going to be... My sympathy would only go so far if Alex. This is what, number five, number six... But you're, again, hindsight is like you saying at the beginning of watching Usual Suspects after already watching it, Kevin Spacey, how did he not know it was Kevin Spacey? It was Kevin Spacey the whole time. Look behind him, I would have gone that, that, and that. Yeah. Kevin. Um, What's in the box? <laughs> it's not even the same Seven. Film. 
they did believe that it could possibly be an airborne um, illness within the ward as well. So it could possibly be something that's been spread around there. Yeah. They even, um, after all these deaths, they actually fitted some um, fitted some cameras within mm-hmm. the within the hospital to try and keep an eye. Because they, but they Gosh. only fitted it on the entrance and exit. Oh, useful. Yeah. Exactly. So they kind of thought it must be an intruder because it definitely couldn't be someone who worked within the hospital. Yeah. So I know obviously healthcare settings have improved drastically over the last, what are we, 1991? So 20, 20, 30 years. Goodness me. Oh, yeah. We're 30. <laughs> um, but uh, you'd, you'd have to think even they might monitor specific nurses that, you know, the consistency of which they raise alarms. Because if, if, even if you did that and you get, oh, well, this is number six, it's Alec again. Help! I'm not making loads of excuses for the hospital, but different people on shift, different people. It's like, yeah, it's like you with the bellboys. You're defending the bellboys for Paddock. For Paddock, I'm defending the nurses. Fair enough. Um, so basically, Katie stopped breathing. Um, she was, uh, the resuscitation team was called in and she was revived. But um, two days two days later, she suffered a very similar attack, which actually resulted in a collapse of her lungs, which always sounds horrible. So following a, uh, another revival attempt, she's transferred to Nottingham. Um, and this is where it's found that five of her ribs were broken. And in addition to this, uh, she suffers serious brain damage as a result of o- oxygen deprivation. Yeah, so lack of oxygen, it can yeah, really affect the, the brain. And I think that's similar to what happened to Liam Taylor in the first case. To basically highlight how much, um, how manipulative Alit is. Um, because obviously Alit was the saviour. And the one that kept calling the alarm. And even when she was even the one, if you remember, who said, don't bring um, Becky home, keep her under watch here. If you take her home, something bad's going to happen. So um, they, the parents, ironically, actually made her the godmother. That's insane. Which is to absolutely Katie. horrible. Alec accepted willingly, um, despite um, causing uh, Katie to suffer with paralysis, uh, cerebral palsy and sight and hearing damage of the infant. and uh, Not to mention killing her sister. Yeah. Her twin so, sister. But the parents were... Very team Beverly. They thought she'd done a great job. She was looking out for our girls, um, which is just such a horrible. When obviously when this all comes out, gosh, um, the thought there uh, must have yeah. been absolutely yeah. So this brings us to Alex's final victim. Fifteen-month-old Claire Peck is brought to Ward Four, uh, an asthmatic that actually requires a breathing tube. Um, she's in Alex's care for a matter of minutes, and she suffers a heart attack. And 15-month-old kids don't suffer heart attacks. It's just it's just not a thing. Um, she's literally with Alec for a few minutes. Yeah. At this point, and again, I know I've said this maybe three or four times already, but... <laughs> also, the resuscitation team was called, and they, they, they revived her. I mean, that resuscitation team, they've yeah. done their job. Like, they've been there. They've been called constantly. They've been tested. Yeah, really tested. And, and children's wards... Especially because this is the, I think what we said earlier about possibly this ward is the one where it's not too major. You go here, if you go too bad, you go to Nottingham. Yeah. Um, this isn't a place where kids go and die. Yeah. It, it's, it's a place to go and get better. It was kind of procedural, wasn't it? I think I read that it was kind of like whether people go to uh, get grommets fitted and, yes. and kind of, you know, day day surgery stuff like that. Exactly that, yeah. So, um, so, so to go there and have a heart attack. Yeah. A lot of the time when the kids were being brought in for the chest infections, they were on the mend. They were getting better. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, Left them valid, things get go terrible. So, yeah, I mean, they matter of minutes, heart attack. It, it, they managed to revive her, uh, and again, short amount of time passes, she has another attack. 
Yeah, she was left alone with Alec once again, and she was unable. She was un- unable to be revived. Um, it is one of those things where, especially after so many, so many kids have been through this, yeah. you can't help but feel like, when, when do you start smelling a rat? Mm-hmm. Um, though this might be a weird phrasing of it. Uh, I guess it's a testament to how man- manipulative Alec is, because yeah. they're not they're not suspecting her. Um, and again, the more the more deaths, the more the more um, incidents the more animated she's becoming in in in, in defend not defending herself because she hasn't had to at this stage but in um milking the sympathy the sorrow that she's getting um but but kind of taking it all in her stride and, and returning to work and obviously um a few victims prior they're already kind of building up a, a, a some suspicion around yeah. Alec. um but it's now to a point where you know yeah, after this, uh, after this death, Dr. Nelson Porter, a consultant in the hospital, was very alarmed by the high number of cardiac arrests over the two, over the two months um, that he actually called like a, an investigation to happen. And just to put into perspective um, how, you know, the short reign of terror that um, Alec was there. So the hospital where the kids are being transferred to when it becomes more severe, where they're growing very suspicious about the number of seriously ill children that are being transferred to them. Um, previously, they would received two or three kids in a year. Um, and they, they, that had more than doubled just over the months of March, March to April, with Alec being there. Yeah. So it's like there's a significant amount of number of, of children being transferred here. What is going on? There's obviously something clearly not right. So yeah, that's uh, drastically higher over this uh, two or three month period where Alec goes on her attacks. Um, so of course, suspicions were raised. And in fact, yeah, they contacted the police um, to do a proper investigation as to what was happening happening here so it's actually police superintendent Stuart Clifton pretty solid name for a superintendent as far as they go um but he's assigned to the case he's suspected foul play from from the off yeah um just uh initially you know reviewing uh the circumstances the victims uh kind of looking for common common trends there he's noticed quite quickly that Alec was you know on shift during a lot of these or alone in most cases with a lot of these victims he says in one of the documentaries his detective senses he, he, he kind of it was something that something wasn't right and he knew that even though the doctors and everyone were saying a lot of people were saying there wasn't anything to do with Alec there yeah. was, he, he put his neck on the line a little bit from yeah from he, put, he pushed he pushed on yeah, so he's uh, he's done simple things like you know review the rotors, um, take statements. He's also found this was quite interesting. Alet had reported the key missing to the uh, insulin refrigerator. Clifton is uh, you know reviewing reviewing the circumstances, reviewing the situation. Finds that the administration of insulin is uh, you know a common trend. Yeah, um, finds that Alet. Is 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 the second most common trend. She's on shift at, at all the time that these uh, these incidents are happening, or the victims are passing away, um, and uh, he's kind of he's, he's honing in on her, and he kind of has her, you know, in his sights. In his sights. Yeah, and there's some nursing logs are missing also, which which just even added more um, suspicion onto her. So Clifton, looking into kind of uh, the the records of of each victim, um, he finds actually with baby Paul Crampton that. Um, Looking into the blood tests, it revealed that he had 500 milliunits uh, per litre of insulin in the blood. Um, and there should really only be 10 to 15 milliunits. And what actually transpired was that where that was tested, it was tested in Cardiff. The machine was only calibrated up to 500. Um, and it was actually off the chart. It actually was 47,000. Um, That's insane. Which was the second highest record recorded in the world. 
into a, f- a five-month-old baby. And this baby goes on to survive. Yeah. Um, and the only thing that could... It, the only thing that could attribute to that, it, it can't be a pancreas malfunctioning like they suspected earlier. Yeah. It had to be injection of insulin. And who had the key when it was missing? Yeah. All the things were leading to Alec. Who didn't record it? Yeah. You know, yeah. Wow. But for him to survive that, I know we only talked about mild symptoms, but wow. So not only does baby Paul survive a, a hefty, hefty dosage of insulin, um, but reviewing the blood tests and reviewing the records he's actually a turning point in this case and he is the one that then is is kind of the clear indicator that it was Alit that had administered this well it was enough for them to be able to bring Alit into question yeah um thank you tom that was <laughs> yes yeah, that's that's perfect so they brought her in um and there's tapes we'll play a little bit of um how the the interview went Everything points at you. you I don't think possibly, but what can I do to you say I didn't? I told you I didn't do it. And I wouldn't dream of doing it to anybody. God, why a patient? If I hated somebody that much. As you can see, she's she's adamant. She's she's not guilty. Um, even listening to it, it you can kind of you can, I could kind of, you can kind of get from the way she speaks and everything like that. She's very like I didn't do it. Like it, no. Really? Again, you're just doing the thing where you no, no, know no. they're guilty. No, no, <laughs> no, I'm going to go off this. This is the the vibe I got was that this is like you tell a kid off for stealing a sweet. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. How many kids are you tell for stealing sweets? And how many kids talk like that? Well, does, I used to read the Backstreet Boys. Bash, the Backstreet Boys. Bash. So for me, she's got, um, she's just really sulky and defiant and, 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 childlike voice she's got a bit of a baby face about her as well so it kind of uh, and she's like well it wasn't me i told you and i know you don't believe me but i told you i told you have you seen that video of um yannick balassi um playing football against a, a woman's team um, no he basically nutmegs a, a female player and and then afterwards he goes i told her i told her nutmeg classic i told her and that's okay we'll play them side by side and see if that if that i don't know the reference it might be good bot on it's going to be the police didn't have enough on her to keep her in so um she she was free to go essentially but they did manage to convince the hospital to not take her back in a lot of the people the staff actually wanted her back in they thought she was good nurse they didn't they thought that she was she'd been blamed for this where it wasn't a fault and the family where she was the godmother of they actually hired a, a private investigator to see why the police were pinning this all on um the innocent beverly you know their hero uh, which it, again it just it, once this all comes out and it'll prove that she is guilty it must be a very hard pill to swallow so Alec wasn't able to go back to the hospital in Grantham so she moved to a different city she started working in a nursing home she still wanted to be in a situation where she was administering care looking after people and it's it baffles my mind how she was able to um gain a job mm-hmm. looking after people yeah I think this is where we're thankful that you know um uh, employment services within that sector have advanced so much, you know, looking into the, you know, cause again, we went when we did the Huntley and Huntley case, um, you know, they, they allowed him to work at a school without even performing a proper criminal background checker. I think there are some similar issues with, uh, the recruitment of, um, Alit. In this care home, her behavior seems to spiral even further. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Um, the only seeming like difference is it's not aimed towards children anymore. It's aimed towards the elderly. We said earlier on, we didn't give her the credit of being smart. We don't think she's smart, but we thought that she's calculated with a lot of her movements. And cunning. Cunning. Cunning sounds good. Dick Dastardly was cunning. Was it though? Never ended well for him. There's confirmed accounts that she'd display very odd behaviour at the nursing home. She'd hide knives under pillows, she'd knock walking sticks out of elderly patients' hands, and weirdly, she blamed it on a poltergeist, which, like, is just absurd. And th- this wasn't the last bit of the poltergeist. She, where she was staying with a landlord, um, she actually fed the dog some pills, and the, the dog actually luckily was sick the pills up. Um, and she made a glass of Ribena for the landlord's son, who then later collapsed. Um, he she ends stopping. No. This girl doesn't rest. I don't know whether it's a case of her knowing that she maybe she's under suspicion, maybe she's only going to be out for a certain amount of time, and she's acting fast to try and get as much. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all very bizarre. But anyway, so... All, arrogant. She also was seen to inject an elderly resident with a, a large dose of insulin, uh, which wasn't prescribed to the patient. So obviously her new like start at this nursing home mm-hmm. is being she can't help herself she has to act out she has to be doing all these things blaming on poor guys doing all this crazy stuff it's um it's not it's not helping her case in any way shape or form no well of course not you you move to a new city you 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 move to a you know relatively same sector but a different role that's her chance to kind of she's got away with it well she thought she got away with it they're still getting the case on the go Clifton was still pursuing it even after you know they let go i think people were saying to him maybe this you know is what it is they died of these causes but he didn't he was like a dog with a bone he was i'm going to continue yeah and he put his his neck out there put his reputation on the line because if you accuse someone you know a health professional this is the first case of a nurse in the uk killing patients yeah so it's quite an outlandish thing to say and accuse someone of doing it's an absolute no-no that's the best my mind can uh (laughs) can can, uh, pop, uh, but luckily Clifton didn't see us there and he pursued it and he followed it up and he did it. It did eventually lead to the arrest. Um, there is a lot of anger from the public when she is finally, um, you know, uh, arrested and, and, yeah. and taken uh, taken uh, to court. Um, yeah, search of the home revealed missing parts of the nursing log and things that she claimed that she didn't have and all this stuff, which obviously just immediately puts it on. Why is she hiding it? What's the cause here? So yes, she was taken to trial 
So after a series of, of hearings, Alec was charged with four counts of murder, 11 counts of attempted murder, and 11 counts of cause, causing grievous bodily harm. As she awaited her trial, she rapidly lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, she lost 70 pounds oh. at, and developed anorexia. And um, you, can, you can see that. She seems to have a cocktail of, of mental problems already. Yeah. And I think it's just another thing that's been, like, been brought to the forefront. Because um, I read as well that um, the first night she was detained and kept in a cell overnight and due to go to court the following morning, they had to wake her up because she was sleeping so soundly. Yeah. Which is just insane. Yeah. Yeah, you thought um, if you know if you're going to be essentially be found out for all these horrible things you did, when you know it, the worst possible kind of accusation or charge, uh, you know, pressed against you, and you're sleeping soundly. Yeah, that is, is that just underlines the kind of um, person she was. Mm-hmm. So eventually, when the case was up and running, it's quite simple for the prosecution to say, "Look, the common thread here is insulin, the missing key. Who was the one the nurse on?" on duty at that time it mm-hmm. it it wasn't hard to kind of put Alec with all the cases yeah they put it back to that kind of uh fireman syndrome yeah so you're a fireman you you you, you work for the fire service um who's going to be the first on the scene if, if you started your own fire the fire service um very easy to make yourself uh look a hero you put the fire out you come back although Alec in most cases, it's debatable whether she was trying to look the hero or whether she was actually trying to end these lives. Yeah, uh, um, with, with that, yeah. We're, we're going to go into when she grew up and the kind of things she was suffering at the time because it is really hard to decipher was the end goal to cause death or was the end goal to be a hero. The trial lasted two months, nearly two months, and Alec only attended 16 days of this. Yeah. due to a continued illness. Um, Alec was convicted on May 23rd, given 13 life sentences for murder and attempted murder. It was the harshest sentence ever delivered to a female. It's not going to bring anybody back, but there's some satisfaction to know, um, you know, that she won't be doing that to anyone else, but also she won't, um, you know, she won't be getting that, that kind of uh, limelight or attention from anyone else either. Sure. Um, so, yeah. So I think what we're going to do now is kind of, we've, uh, we've, we've set it all out for you. We're now going to kind of look into why how you know the formative years of of uh, the angel of death i think one of the things um, we we regularly do it seems to be quite a thing for us as we go to how did someone get to be a killer nurse mm-hmm. how did this angel get her wings that sounds nice it does sound nice why do i keep arriving at nice Kill, why, what about why does, how where does angel of death get this scythe very good i imagine an angel of death would have the scythe mm. scythe Sounds weird. Scyther. Um Fiduck. sake, Ben. Beverly Gail Allett was born on the 4th of October 1968, one of four children. She grew up in a village called Corby Glen, which was very close to Grantham. She seemed to have a fairly, looking back on it, fairly happy um, childhood. She had a, a loving family. There was no um, red flags from the parents. The dad worked in the North Lyons, the mum was a school cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone would say she was a very happy, normal kid. No warning signs at all. Pretty uh, traditional childhood there. Um, eerily, she does uh, volunteer as a babysitter quite often as a, as a teenager. She, uh, but- she was like the person that you go to in the village for babysitting. She was very good with kids as well. Yeah, so maybe that's what led her to pursue a career in nursing. She, from an early age, was very adamant that's what she wanted to do and working with children was what she wanted to do. And I think probably as a, a parent, I mean, 
you would have thought that makes sense. She's very good with kids. That would be the ideal role for someone like Beverly to go and do that job. Mm. So this wouldn't be a red flag as such because it's, um, it's odd, but you wouldn't associate it with this could lead to this. The fact that she, um, she would often wear casts and bandages for things and never show people what it was or say what it was she had, but she, she would often, um, like the attention she gained from gained from people by having these illnesses or these injuries. So as with age, um, these kind of casts and plasters she put on, they'd become worse and worse. She'd be wasting a lot of the doctor's time and going to hospitals claiming she needed things. She even had a perfectly healthy appendix removed, um, which is, which is just, that's a way to go. Absurd. And then she the, didn't heal for a long time because she kept picking at the stitching, which is, just makes your skin shudder. Alec goes on to pursue that career that everybody uh, suggests she would uh, do so well at, and uh, and uh, start her nursing training. Now, at one of the nursing homes she is, um, you know, training at, she's actually found to have smeared feces um, over the walls of a particular resident's room. Yeah. So when I read I read this bit, I I was surely straight away that's a dismissal from work. That's if you did that in any line of work. Yes, yeah. I used to work at All Saints. Uh, I mean, if I was smearing crap all over the wall, mm-hmm. not talking about the clothes, um, then I'd be fired. Yeah. In a nurse's home, in a place of care, in a place of which cleanliness is a thing, you would have thought that would be a brown flag, I'm going to say. Ooh. And you'd be booted out. Yeah. Though I think, I think this is from the, the eyeline of hindsight where they probably thought, Oh, she used to work here, and all the, when all that weird stuff happened. Yeah, I think it probably is that. Yeah, so maybe at the time she's blaming it on a on a resident. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they also found human poop in the fridges. Human poop. Yep, human poop um, in the fridges. Yep, and uh, she wasn't caught brown-handed. So there you go. She had long stretches of absences um, during that time, which is a common thread for our whole career. Yeah, yeah. So despite um, these red or brown flag, maybe so. Hybrid. Oh, um, she would uh, go on to land a temp contract um, at uh, desperately understaffed Grantham Castephen Hospital, and uh, obviously this would where she would uh, you know go on uh, to work in Ward Four. Yeah. So um, basically, they were so understaffed uh, that they she wanted to work in Number Two. That's quite. I had it ready, but the gap was too big. It was a job role she wanted, but she actually only had trained in, in adult medicine. So she wasn't actually properly equipped for this job role. Um, but because they were so understaffed and she was so convincing, again, very manipulative, she was able to con- convince them that she'd be able to pick things up while she worked and learn this stuff on the job. So obviously them allowing Alec to work there, there's no way they would know that it would end in such tragedy. Um, oh, I'd love to know the guy that made the decision. No, you can't work with adults. Why is but- guy? I'd love to know the individual that... Why is an individual? Why isn't it a committee? I'd love to know the committee. I'd love to know the committee that decided, all right, you're not, you're not quite qualified to work with adults, but yeah, have a go with the kids. As we mentioned earlier on in her life, she was often injuring herself, feigning an injury. This is, a, this is an illness called Munchausen syndrome, where essentially you do something to gain attention from others. So she had uh, Munchausen syndrome, but she also had Munchausen syndrome by proxy. So Munchausen syndrome by proxy, it, rather than injuring yourself, you're injuring other people. There's been lots of cases before where it's, it tends to be the mother of a child would often harm the kid or think that the kid has an illness and would bring them to doctors always saying, oh no, my child's sick, my child's sick. Some of the theories behind this is when Alec was 
Younger getting attention from harming herself, but when she realised that she could get just as much attention, if not more, by harming other people. Going back to the Munchausen syndrome by proxy, the first, we're going to go into her love life now and actually we'll get to a, a section there where it explains one of the first times she maybe experienced the attention she would receive yeah. from someone else having, uh, or her being involved in someone else um, being ill. Yeah, absolutely. And gaining the... Uh, attention from that growing up uh beverly didn't seem uh too interested in boys unless she was uh <laughs> unless she was beating them <laughs> it's getting worse unless she was beating them at a good old-fashioned game of pool so she used to actually work work down the local pub at the fighting cocks um and she would <coughs> she would love playing against the guys she didn't really seem to she didn't care about her attention she 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 didn't really flirt she just, just liked one she, of the guys she preferred yeah beating them at sport rather than dating them yeah and going back to her childhood her kind of academic performance she was not exceptional um she wasn't viewed as kind of a striking or attractive individual she just kind of blended in so when she was 18 um she had a game of pool with stephen briggs and she beat him at pool and she also won his heart um and he they became an item fairly quickly um he was very besotted by her uh she didn't really seem to uh like we said, she she wasn't out there looking for any kind of attention in that way, but um, he seemed very keen on her and it seemed to be, well, from the outside, a very uh, happy relationship. Um, however, the, the relationship did turn um, abusive, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, but interestingly, um, more so on, on Bev's part. So Stephen was six foot, he's a construction worker. Big lad, from, yeah. from what we've heard. So he's quite a burly bloke. And you don't asso- you don't associate, um, well, a lot of times when you think domestic abuse, you don't really think it's going to be the, the woman hurting the man. You just tend to not think that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you saw the stature of him, you think, you know. Compared to her, comparatively, yeah, yeah of course. You assume that, you know, there's even a case once where he, he came to work, he had a black eye. And his his colleagues just laughed at him because he said and he said it's from um, Beverly. It's just one of those things where I think in those kind of situations, a lot of the time the men are quite embarrassed to come forward about I mean, it. Even now, that's still kind of the case. But Beverly's her first real boyfriend, so you would have thought this is a very happy time, and you know the honeymoon period they'd probably be an intimate quite a lot. But um, apparently that wasn't the case. They weren't um, sleeping together a lot, and even when they did, she wasn't very invested in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So during one of the walks, they'd go on quite regularly. Um, Stephen thinking at this stage, that Beverly's not overly invested in their relationship. But he was very surprised when she actually proposed to him. Wow. Yeah, and he was very taken aback, and he, he said yes. Um, I think it, it that must have been very peculiar. Yeah, it's hard enough, uh, it's hard enough getting her to uh, take it easy on him with a game of pool. Walk along the fields and turn around, and she's sat there uh, ring in hand. And she was blue-balling him before that. That's but that's the thing. She liked control. She liked, she liked, to, she liked to make all the decisions for the, for the couple. Yeah. yeah, when they were walking around, she'd refuse to be uh, seen holding hands with him. Uh, wouldn't let him put his arm around her shoulder, anything like that. Any of your typical kind of young young sweethearts in love, you know, doing the rounds. Uh, PDA. Um, she used to insult him a lot in front of others. It's all very symptomatic of an abusive relationship, um, you know, belittling, controlling, uh, you know, being mentally uh, quite abusive as well. So uh, Beverly actually insisted that he grew a moustache. Very good idea. Said uh, said that he would look gormless without one mm-hmm. and that he would look fine with one. He says, well, I was wearing that jacket. 
And the haircut. Um, Stephen didn't like the tash, so he, um, he actually would shave it, and she got livid. Bev actually would go on to crash Stephen's car and total it, which would be an awkward conversation. Um, and she was able to convince Stephen to take the rap for it. She doesn't sound like the best girlfriend, Tom, or fiancé at this stage. Um, no. She's not... She, I, I know she was convincing later in life, but she's not convincing me right now, I'll be she, honest. She didn't have a licence as well. So I think Stephen, if he was madly in love, you know, you do crazy things when you're in love. So Bev uh, would also um, play the hard to get in some cases. So when she was actually away, um, you know, uh, doing her nursing training, she would be uh, move away from Corby Glen and go to Grantham. And while away for long periods of time, Stephen, obviously, bless him, uh, didn't like being away from them, so he would uh, provide her with money to, to to call him. However, Bev, when she was on, on campus and in the hospitals, never called him. The thing with that was they're engaged. Um, it's only 16 miles away from Corby Glen to Grantham, so she didn't need to go live on site. She could commute. It's not yeah. overly far. He would give her the, yeah, he'd give her money to call him, um, but she wouldn't ever give him her, like, her phone number when she was in the hospital things. Yeah, so he wasn't able to contact her. He would always be living, like, waiting for the fact she was going to ring him. Yeah. She wouldn't ring him. He'd be waiting by the phone every night, kind of. It, this is, you said hard to get. I think it's more control in him. There's lots of um, just general ab- abusive behaviour here. Like she would say, like, oh, you gain some weight, do 100 sit-ups. <laughs> it, is, it sounds so childish, but yeah. she would take control in that kind of way. Um, yeah. Even once when she went away with her, with her girlfriends from the uh, the nurse, nursing home, from the from a nursing community, community um, she left her car there and she, she did little chalk marks where the tyres were and told Stephen not to drive the car, which is so controlling. And Stephen... Actually, did take the car off a couple of miles drive and then park it back. Um, I heard a theory on this, which basically was um, with domestic abuse. There's often a honeymoon reward period after a after a um, argument or after a assault, for example. So, if, if you had a big old argument and shouting, or even if it came to a domestic abuse, um, there would be often afterwards and the making up, making them feel good, the honeymoon period. So you get the reward sense. Sometimes you want to shift it to that yeah, to get to that. So this thought that maybe he drove the car, he did mark it perfectly when he brought it back and it didn't actually say if he was caught, but it's thought he was risking with that to try and get the reward from that as well. There's some, yeah, there's lots of odd oddities between their relationship. Um, yeah. he, he said he was, she's very deceptive, manipulative, claiming false pregnancies as well as rape. She even said to her nursing colleagues, that he had AIDS and this was during the eighties when the, the AIDS era, you know, there's a lot of people demonizing people yeah. with AIDS and she showed a lot of disdain towards him and people were kind of like, Oh, we understand why you do now. And also it was a way to make women not be interested in him as well. Fend off other suitors. Yeah, exactly. And also she got some sympathy as well from that. And that's where she would get Munchausen syndrome by proxy. It was probably a little taste if she got there. She was able to get, attention and you know that kind of stuff from someone else's illness so one quite concerning thing she said to Stephen was um she at one stage when she was training was in a nursing home and she insinuated that sometimes they would help the old folks move on and they would administer some drugs to help them move on to the hereafter which Stephen obviously didn't like the sound of obviously that sounds very and he, he was never nothing was ever proven from that but it sounded like Beverly perhaps then could have done something which led to a whole person's death there's no we haven't any proof of that but why would she say it and um but that would i mean again maybe she's looking for a bit of attention from him 
if that's not my kind of attention, that's not, that wouldn't be going under the normal pattern of I'm hurt. Give me it's more like disgust. Mm. All right. So we are looking at the aftermath of Alit. So on the 5th of June, 1993, the Home Secretary gave a direction under Section 27 of the Mental Health Act, um, which uh, which basically meant that Alit would be moved from uh, HMP Holloway to Rampton Secure Hospital. And I think this was a move that obviously brought Alec back into a, you know, the hospital setting, but it was also a favourable move for her. She didn't want to be imprisoned. Um, she was felt quite vulnerable for one of the first times in her life, but, you know, being amongst other, other criminals. And, um, and and definitely the hospital setting was, again, a desired one for her. Yeah, I think it's it's quite um, often in these cases, it seems to be if you're if you get put away for mental health rather than the prison, you're going to get treated a lot better. You're going to have a lot better facilities, a lot more care. Um, during the time there, though, um, her disorder kind of came back. She was pouring boiling water on herself and even ingesting grounded glass. What would you prefer out of those two options? Boiling water. On your skin? 100%. But then the ingesting... just swallow broken glass. Yeah, I'd rather easy. that than... But imagine it coming out. True. I mean, there's that guy... I can't remember his name. We'll put him up. Who used to eat loads of glass? And the, remember the world, Guinness World Guinness World yeah. Records? I always saw him, and I thought, "You're mm. gonna, you're gonna regret that." You'd be a big show off. Classic banter. Um, though, since she's been detained, she has admitted to three of the murders and six of the assaults, which led to being added to a list of criminals never to be eligible for parole. Which is surprising, seeing how adamant in those um, interviews she was. So. You know, I didn't do it. Well, uh, well, as part of um, her finally admitting to, to her crimes, it was as part of an application to become a lifetime patient of this oh, hospital. Okay. So uh, it was only recently revealed to the families of the victims, to the victims, the surviving victims themselves, that uh, she had finally taken responsibility for her crimes and for her actions as part of a plea uh, to, to become a lifetime patient um, and avoid prison. As you mentioned, the child, her childhood was fairly normal, quite happy. Her parents were nice parents. Uh, her, you know, brothers and sisters were all, all happy days. Um, and her dad was very adamant of her being innocent. Um, this is before she admitted to everything. He would, he would go and visit her, bring um, her sisters along. He even brought um, an eight-month-year-old niece and, like, and Bev would hold her when they're at the meetings. And Alex's eyes lit up. Her dad, her dad said, yeah, she spends most of her time in the arms of our, her auntie Beverly. We have always had complete trust in her and still do. So it's very sad, like we said before, with um, with Paddock, they're not the ones to blame. They're left to pick up the pieces. Totally. And he's obviously going to think his daughter's innocent. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's very sad. I mean, uh, again, our hearts go out to all the victims. And this has been, it's been a tough case to cover. Children, disabled children. Of course, yeah, of course. All, all, all our um, thoughts with the with the victims. To make a slightly lighter ending, um, there was a uh, TV show, Angel of Death, in 2005, where she was played by Janine from EastEnders. And uh, also Black Sabbath wrote, actually wrote a song about her, or inspired by her. Oh, yeah. Um, some of the lyrics, the standout lyrics to me were, the oath you take is sacred to save, not steal a life. Like the passing of the sweetest soul that looked through human eyes. It's the hand that rocks the cradle. It's the hand that steals the life. So there's a line that really stuck out to me watching the documentary system, lots of podcasts, and the research was, nurses don't become murderers, but some murderers do become nurses. Uh, which I think is, you know, it's the whole trust thing. If, if, people, if people started not trusting nurses and doctors, it, yeah. it just... 
whole you know NHS everything it which wouldn't work mm-hmm. so this is just a very very rare very very sad case so that's it for case number four Beverly Allett the angel of death so don't forget we have exclusive content up on our Patreon page over um, over there and uh, please feel free to check us out on our socials you know Instagram and Twitter um, they're, they're fun places to be there's a nice warm fuzzy feeling every time I go there yeah every day there'll be murderous facts and fearful things and trivia and all that stuff so get involved give us a like and give us a we'll have a little chat with you on there and if you like the episode give us a comment give us a like if you're listening on audio devices hey listeners why not give us a review a five star review and a comment it really helps us out it spreads the word we saw that we've got um, you know it's still early days Tom but we've got listeners in Greece if I was less ignorant I'd be able to say hello in Greek um but I'm ignorant. So everyone around the world that's tuning in and popping us in their ears right now, we appreciate that. And uh, it's nice to be with you today. Um, Thank you for listening, of course. Thank you for watching, guys that are watching. And um, we can't wait to see you next week for another episode of I Could Murder a Podcast. See you later. See you guys. Selling a little... Or a lot. <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Toyota Thon is on, so stop in and get a great deal on a rugged new Tacoma or Tundra, ready to tackle the toughest weather. Find out more at buyatoyota.com. Hurry, Toyota Thon ends January 2nd. Toyota, let's go places. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk.